Welcome to Promises Are Just Words. This is episode 30. We've finally got to episode 30. And this is called I'll Tell You a Secret. Today I'm going to focus on the idea of having a really positive mindset and looking at the qualities of what a positive mindset might look like. So no matter how much uh, I try to teach students at school, no matter how much information I'm trying to provide for them, if they're a barrier or they're resistant to any kind of change or any kind of changing the way they see things, it doesn't matter how much I try and motivate them, doesn't matter how much information I give them, if they're, not, if they're resistant to change, change isn't unfortunately going to happen. So as part of this as well too, we have to look at the idea of a fixed and growth mindset, which I'll get onto later. But I guess some of the things you need to think about with mindset are the idea that we have certain qualities that we kind of look for. So people that have got a really good, strong and adaptable kind of mindset, look at the idea of persistence and persistence being something about us trying to always move forward and not just being happy with what we've got, um, enjoying what we've got, obviously, but not necessarily just settling and resting on our laurels, essentially. So basically trying to endure until we get to an end point. And I guess that end point is different for a lot of people, too. I guess another thing else also, too, we want to focus on is the idea of positive realism. So this is something that's really important and intrinsic in a lot of people too. So it's something that's inside them. It's like that fire that burns inside some people. Uh, and and so a lot of the time you'll get to situations, I guess, that you encounter and some things won't be positive. And some of the things you are going to do, and I've talked about this a lot before, you are going to fail. But I guess it's in a way that you deal with that failure. So the positive realism is about trying to make the best of a bad situation but also to looking at realistic assessments of the situation and action based on who you are. Another thing you need to look at is humility. And for those people that don't know, it's about remaining hungry and trying to keep on improving because the humble person is someone who is quiet, they're confident, they just get along with it. And I know when I'm watching sport, you know, there are people that generally will get in somebody's ear and they'll be talking, talking, trying to upset them. But the humble person, the person who is just knows that their skills can back them up, I find that they actually um, get a lot more out of watching those type of people too. So the humble person, again, too, doesn't underestimate uh, their or overestimate their abilities. They just basically get on and do what they have to do because internally they're a really motivated person. Part of this, though, and you might think this is a bit weird too, is being vulnerable, and you might not see that as a quality. But the idea of having this open-minded approach or training is obviously that we're willing to seek help. So people that are vulnerable at points in their lives will realize I need assistance from somebody else. So for my students, obviously, hopefully that is me and I'm able to assist them at any point as well too because I have the knowledge or information that they require. However, at some points, I'm vulnerable too in a classroom. I'll actually say, hey, I don't understand that. I don't know what that is, but I will try and find it out for you. So being vulnerable isn't necessarily always a bad thing. In some situations, it is about trying to recognize and change and evolve and, I guess, trying to push yourself further forward. One of the last ones is the idea of no regrets, and I've talked about this before. It is really hard to have no regrets, but if you're always questioning everything you've done, you'll never move forward. So thinking about, am I satisfied that I did everything that I was willing to do to achieve my goal? I know in my triathlons I do that, I get to the start line and in my mind I know I've done everything I can possibly do and it's just depending on whatever happens in that race at that time. I can't look back and go, oh I should have trained more, oh I should have eaten better, I should have done something differently, I should have gone to bed uh, earlier. 
I know at that point, when I get hit that start line, that I've done everything I can that's getting towards achieving that goal. Going on with the idea of a fixed mindset, um, there are some people, students, people in life in general, and this is the idea that intelligence is static. So when they come to a challenge, they try and avoid that challenge. When they come to an obstacle, it's easy for them just to give up because if they give up, they don't necessarily have to fail. In terms of effort as well, they see effort, they think, what's the point in trying as well too? You know, the idea that it's fruitless, there's no reward for them. In terms of criticism, they always look at criticism as not being constructive and they generally will look at it and say it's negative and ignore that constructive criticism. And also looking at the success of others too. People with a fixed mindset will feel threatened by the success of others. So they won't see it as something they can learn from. They'll look at it as they're better than me, therefore I will not try. On the other side of that, we have the growth mindset and the idea that intelligence can be developed. So through changes, or sorry, through challenges, we try and embrace challenges. Uh, when we get to the idea of setbacks, we persist in the face of setbacks. So we may fail, but we'll just keep trying and keep trying. When we do things as well too, we see that the effort is a, pa a path to mastery. So the idea that you can do something a certain amount of times, at some point, it's going to click, everything's going to come together, and you'll be able to master whatever that skill was. Another thing too is taking criticism. This can be really hard even, I guess, for people with a growth mindset that you are actually getting that constructive criticism in order to improve, get to improve yourself. And I guess people with a growth mindset too can find lessons and inspirations from the success of others. And I know part of this podcast is me reaching out to people who have achieved their own degree of success and trying to get that knowledge and that information and for some of you guys out there as the audience to look in to see what messages they're saying and see if you can take a part of what they're saying and incorporate it into your own lives. So consider ideas about mindset too before you get into looking at information and trying to improve yourself further. Think about it intrinsically. Think about what can I do to try and improve myself? Have I got a fixed or have I got a growth mindset? person who always tries to look at the idea of the growth mindset, I'm going to carry on with always learning today. And two parts of the always learning are, the first part is I'm going to give you some really simple tips or some activities or things for you to consider in order to try and improve your own mindset. First one is a 3-2-1 exercise. So the first thing you will write down uh, in any activity, whether it's in a classroom or a sporting event or anything like that, is what are three things that I've learned? The second thing is, what are two things I want to learn? And number third, number three, I should say, is what is one question that I still have? So the idea that you're not just taking anything in and saying, this is what I've learned, you're actually looking at what else can I do? Another one too is the idea of an accomplishment jar. And this is where you actually write down your accomplishments and you put them in a jar. You'll literally look at the idea of what's one thing that I've accomplished today, how do I feel about it and why? And then maybe after a certain time, could be a week, could be a couple of weeks, you'll actually go in and you'll see, pull these um, little slips of paper out and you'll see these accomplishments as you go through. And I guess that's reassuring you that you are on the way, uh, on the path to where you want to get to. The last one is a self-awareness checklist. So these are some things you may need to consider when you go in in terms of developing a quality 
positive mindset. So you could write statements like, I feel I am strong in the areas of, and you'll write something down. I think I am weak in the areas of, because this is important about taking that criticism. I learn best when I, I feel the most stress when, I feel that I'm most comfortable when, I find that something makes me uncomfortable, the thing that I need the most help with is, and lastly, I'm most comfortable asking for help by, and I guess it's just that way for you to go over in your head and start to think about ways that you can develop your own positive mindset. Always Learning does have two parts today, like I said, and the other part of that is, as it's episode 30, I thought I would look at what I have learned from talking to people, um, putting this podcast together. So here are my five things that I have learned based on what I know about motivation, trying to encourage people to be their own personal, do their own personal best. The first one is that people who come from varied backgrounds still achieve. Doesn't matter whether you're rich, whether you're poor, private, public, school, access to resources or not. I know that through interviewing a lot of people on this podcast, people have come from lots of different backgrounds and still achieved massive amounts of success. The next one is, is that some things do take time. Some of the people I have interviewed on here are Olympians. And for those people, they're operating in the idea of four-year blocks. So instant gratification, I guess, is great. And in a modern world, a lot of people seem to crave that instant gratification. But we also need to know that sometimes we need to be in it for the long haul and not give up straight away. Third one is success doesn't mean that you can't help others. The amount of people on here who I thought I wouldn't or probably wouldn't be interested in being involved in the podcast, they came forward and says, yeah, anything I can do to help this person out, I'll try and pass on something that I know. And these are like world famous people in their chosen field as well too. So just think about that too when some of you guys get to a point where you might be at that level of success that you can actually pass a lot of that or pay it forward, I guess, to a lot of other people. The other one, number four, is the idea of marginal gains and controlling the variables. So basically looking at something and breaking it down a little bit at a time. The idea of marginal gains is don't try and jump from point A to point B straight away. There could be 10 steps in between and slowly and just, you know, crawling your way towards that point B. Don't look at it as that massive big step if you just do a little bit at a time. What can I control? What's something I can look at? What's something I can improve on? The last one is that famous people are not only ones achieving. I have featured people that I refer to as local heroes, people, everyday people, um, people who maybe not aren't even in a position or even, I don't even know that they've necessarily achieved something themselves that's great, but someone looks at what they've done and go, well, that's amazing. I need you to get your ideas out there. So that's why I went into, got into contact with a lot of these people called local heroes. And it is really good, I guess, to have that balance between people, the famous ones, the ones in the spotlight, and just the people that are quietly going about their day-to-day -day business. For a lot of people out there that 
theme tune should be pretty self-explanatory. Today, I would like you to say hello to three people from Neighbours. I've got the three current Neighbours actors. First one you're going to hear is Tim Robards. He plays Pierce Grayson. The second one is Ben Hall, who plays Ned Willis. And the last one is Ben Turland, who plays Hendrix Grayson. Enjoy. So you've um, you've caught me just off a, um, a plane. Um, so what kind of student was I? So I think I was quiet and conscientious. I was um, pretty shy kid, um, but you know, but worked hard and did what I was told. And and uh, I think I was fairly diligent at school and and performed well um, at school. I had some great teachers. Through primary school, I had a teacher called Mr. Hopton, and he was he was tough, but he was um, he, he he taught. I think we I think we were kind of graded back then, and I think I was in a, one of the, the the better classes or whatever. And I and you know he pushed us hard, and I think him pushing me from a young age, um, you know, and, and being fairly strict on your homework and, you know, your marks and things, like, I think that was one of the things that and the influence of my dad really taught me to um, to work hard and really commit myself to to doing well, um, getting good marks, and uh, and then, then I went into high school. And high school I had, I remember, it wasn't until, or maybe I had, I think I had this teacher for a little bit in year eight, but then I had him again, Mr. Santarelli, I had him uh, through, I think it was year 10, 11, and 12, so he was my maths teacher, and, you know, I used to, I used to enjoy maths, I did well at maths, and I ended up getting into a physics degree after that at uni, doing the hardest maths and science you can do at uni, um, but but what Mr. Santorelli sort of taught me, all the really pushing us and, and being in that, I think it was like the, the top maths class, that, that really, um, you know, put a lot of pressure on us, but that really helped me um, develop and... And I think that, you know, he set a, a high expectation on us and and then I in turn sort of put that, that high expectation on myself, um, which I think then carries through to, to everything that I set my mind to now. You know, I put a very high expectation on myself. I know if I, if I do the work, if I do the study, if I do the hours, I can do well. I've got that ability and that's something that's really stayed with me. So... Um, it's nice. I actually got in contact briefly um, with his wife. Uh, some others on Instagram. I think she tagged something or did something on Instagram, and and uh, I just said to say say hi and send my love and a big thanks. Um, I haven't seen him for 18 years or something, so yeah, I'd love to catch up. Be good to see if uh, Mr. Hopton's still around. How do I balance my busy schedule with, with neighbours and flying and travelling between two states? I guess that keeps me busy and you know, I've also got my fitness app, I've got, um, I do a lot of content creation, all that. Um, I think the, the thing comes down to, you know, I've done a lot of work on knowing my values, what I value most in life and which then helps me to, uh, to really um, know my priorities. And so when you know your priorities, you know what you put your time into, and then you know how to balance your time out evenly. Or you know, at least I can. I, I think I'm, I've always been good at balance. But the 
biggest thing is, is knowing your priorities. You know, people who either don't have their priorities right or aren't living their life aligned with their values, you'll end up putting your time into things that don't align with your values. You, you know, you're wasting your time. You're not necessarily happy. You, you're not putting time into the things that are going to get you to your goals, the things that, you know, so that, that all comes down. Sometimes you've got to take that time to, to do a bit of pre-planning, plan your time, and um, and then put those put that into action without a plan, without priorities, without knowing your values. It's really hard to be efficient with your time. Okay, so what's a typical day like for me or neighbours? So every day can be so different. Sometimes I go in and I'll have one scene. I'm in and out in an hour and a half. Um, other days I might have, you know, 10, 12, 14 scenes in a row and I will be back to back to back non-stop, uh, scene after scene after scene from, you know, hair and makeup's usually no earlier than 6.30 and, uh, you know, winter we do night shoots and so sometimes we shoot through till 9 o'clock. So those days are massive and you really need to have your energy about you. Now, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a year and a half now on Neighbours and it's been a great challenge. Um, loved every minute of it, learning so much and I do, yeah, I, I would like to, um, after this, look into either other dramas or, you know, playing other characters and movies and things like that. I think it'd be, that would definitely be the, the next step. So, can't wait to see where it goes and I'll just keep working hard and, and doing my best and you know, increasing my, my acting skills and <laughs> putting myself out there, but can't wait to play some other characters. Okay. <clears throat> uh, hello, Mark, and hello to all the Year 11 students at Wadalba Community School. Um, I'm Ben Hall. I'm sure Mark's already... Uh, told you what I do. I work on Neighbours at the moment as an actor. Um, and he's given me these three questions to answer. Yeah, the first one is, how did you break into acting and were you involved in school and local productions before this? Uh, yeah, of course. I was definitely involved in school productions. I went to Aquinas, which is Aquinas College, which is in WA. Uh, it was actually a sporting school and for a long time I thought I was going to be a swimmer. Um, but we had a really great drama teacher there at Aquinas and she was the sort of the one in my final years at school, year 11 and year 12, who said, you know, look, you're good at this and if you want to make it into a career, um, I think you could. Um, and the way to go about that was to then go to WAPA, audition for WAPA. They take 18 students um, and they have a three-year course there. And I went and did that and I got in, surprisingly. I was one of the youngest ever to get in. Um, and I did three years there, but, um, at school I did all the productions, uh, we did a musical every year with one of the girls' schools, um, there was definitely more reasons than just acting to be involved in those shows, uh, but it was, uh, it was really fun, I was always, I always really enjoyed it, um, and I thought, you know, like, why not chase the dream a little bit, do something that I love doing for the rest of my life, I mean, it's not the most stable career, that's for sure, but um, I love getting up every day and, and going and uh, being in front of a camera. It's, it's great fun and it's a great team and a great crew. So definitely don't regret it. Number two is, uh, as an English teacher, my students have trouble remembering essay structures and quotes. Do you have any tips for remem remembering things? Like lines. Uh, yeah, definitely. Look, I used to, when uh, I wasn't pumping out as many scripts on Neighbours, we, we go through so much stuff that you have to be really good at picking up really quickly because... Often you'll get to set and 
they'll change it uh, just before you do a take. So um, I've gotten very good at it. And like anything, it's just a learnt skill. But I, I used to write out um, all my lines, just pen and paper, sit down and knock them out. And that does a, a massively good job of getting them stuck in your head. Um, but apart from that, the other method that I use is going through and, and sort of highlighting all the keywords, all the all the words in the sentence that stand out that are going to be a little bit more memorable so that even if you don't get the exact line right, you know the gist, you know the main points and uh, you can go through and often you can remember a whole lot more because your brain sort of sequen- sequentially puts those uh, those little keywords together and you can sort of fill in the gaps um, if that makes sense but that that's one way that I do it and also just repetition just going over and over it gets someone to to run it with you a couple of times and eventually it'll get in your head and question three tell us about your role in Neighbours um, and do you have any future ambitions into feature films or other areas yeah um, uh, before Neighbours I was uh, I've done a couple of other tv shows and I also have done a couple of musicals and, and straight plays and things like that and uh what I love about the industry here is that you can do that. You can cross over. Um, so you can go from doing a musical in front of 2,000 people in Melbourne to, uh, to be being in a small underground theatre in Sydney um, playing to 50 or 100 people and, and doing a Chekhov or Shakespeare or something like that and um, and then going and doing a TV show. I uh, Yeah, I, I love the versatility and I, I love the, the different changing... Uh, mediums um, my role on neighbors um, I've been there how long now about two and a half years yeah about two and a half years and um, I got into it just the same way that most people get into a job they go on an audition or they go and do a job interview and and they liked me and so they flew me down from Sydney and I did another audition with uh, one of the cast and one of the directors and uh, yeah, and eventually they, they gave me a call to say that I'd got the job. And actually, they told me that I'd got a different role, uh, firstly, and then they took that back, and then they offered me the role of Ned. So it's always very very changing. I think the other role was actually a priest, and now I'm playing uh, an ex, ex-bikey tattoo artist, so it was a little bit different. But um, I've loved it. It's a, it's a one-of-a-kind place. Um, I don't know but if you guys know this, but at the moment, we're probably one of the only shows in Australia that's still filming or we've we've come back from a hiatus because of COVID-19 and uh, we're back to filming with a lot of safety measures in place obviously Um, but uh, it's one of those shows that you can do that it's been around for 35 years heaps of different people you guys would probably remember Toadie and Dr. Carl and and those those iconic characters Um, but so many actors have gone through there and it's a great training ground it's a great place just to be able to uh, just to learn and and try things out and and um, and basically it all goes over to to the UK because that's where they love it and that's where they watch it. Um, so you'll have to tune in if you haven't seen it recently. Like tune in, it's it's actually very funny a lot of the time. They do some ridiculous storylines. Um, so yeah, have have a watch at some point. Um, and do I do I have any future ambitions? Yeah, look. Once the borders open back up again, I'd love to uh, to travel over to LA and uh, and try my luck there. Everyone's got to do it. I do love the Aussie industry, but um, there are some definite benefits to going to the US. They have uh, a lot more shows being produced over there, and there is just a ton more money to be made in the US than Australia. It's a tough market here. Usually, there's only 
I would say about 2% of actors in work. Um, so if, you, if you're looking for job security, it's not the job for you. But if you're looking for something that you get out of bed and you love doing every day and you never, never regret it, then it's a great job. Um, anyway, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Um, I hope that the rest of your schooling year is a little bit more, a uh, little bit more sane and not so crazy with um, breaks and things, and that you can actually get your exams done. Um, all the best. Thanks, guys. Okay, so the first question is. You have a background in all different styles of dance, but how did you make the change over to acting? Um, I wouldn't say that I made a complete change over to acting. I still do quite a lot of dancing um, as I use it as a creative output and a form of expression. Um, and I still love it a lot. Uh, but career-wise, the moment I realized I wanted to do acting for the rest of my life or you know, wanted to pursue it was when I was in an acting class and... I was exposed to certain emotions that I hadn't felt before and I'd felt them purely in an acting class. And so I was learning more about myself through my career and through my art. So that's what I, that's where I found the beauty in acting. Um, if I'm growing as a human whilst growing as an artist, I think then, you know, the, that's just, that's a win-win. Um, and that's kind of when I realized, yeah, this is this is where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, and I also had a lot of odd injuries um, in my dancing career. And I think it was the, a way of the universe saying, hey, you know what? You're, you're great at dancing and you love it, but I think it's time for you to pursue acting and really dig deep into that kind of art. Um now the second question: What has been your most enjoyable moment? Enjoyable moment in your career so far? Um, for me, I um, I've kind of learnt to take in every moment, um, live in the live in the moment, live in the now, um, and take everything in. So I think there's a level of every achievement and every moment that I hold quite close to me. But one of my favourite would be definitely. The moment I was doing, I was doing a musical called Saturday Night Fever in Sydney at the Lyric Theatre, and I was playing a, a a main role in the musical. And the opening show, I came out to do my bows, and me and my best friend, we had a bow together. And as I came out onto the stage, I remember seeing my mum, my dad, uh, standing in the front row, applauding and and crying and screaming. And I think that was. That was an ama a, a huge moment for me because my form of creativity and my form of expression was bringing so much joy to the people that I love. So I think that was a huge moment for me. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, just going from that third question, do you have any advice for my, peer, uh, my students about particular techniques that you might use to get into character for various roles? Um, okay. Now, so like... Most uh, characters um, are very different and, and most actors have different ways to getting into character. Um, for me, it's mainly based around um, commitment. Um, you have to very much so commit to a role, even if it may be something that makes you feel kind of uncomfortable. There is things that you have to find that you love about that character. Um, for me, uh, certain roles 
I have to play or have to do, you, you often get put in a situation where maybe you're not quite the nice guy or something. So you're like, how do I kind of fall in love and how do I become this character when you don't actually like it? There are certain things like vulnerabilities, insecurities that make these characters human, um, which you kind of have to fall in love with. So there's a, a, a role I'm playing right now, Hendrix Grayson on Neighbours. Um, he's very, very, uh, he's got a, kind of smart attitude about him he's got a chip on his shoulder a lot of bravado kind of thinks he is the king of blah 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 i mean that's not a very likable human but he has a lot of insecurities and vulnerabilities so he's very quite very quite vulnerable because growing up um you know he didn't have the love from his family and stuff like that so he he seeks it in other forms um and that shows that he's human. That shows that he's not actually this bad guy. He's not a horrible human. He's just looking for affection and attraction and any kind of other th- other forms. So, I mean, there is beauty in that. So, and that's where I kind of found that I could play this character and that I could be this character because each person has insecurities and each person is vulnerable in their own state in their own way. So. Um, it's just about finding someone, a part of a character that is human and then committing to that, committing to that and going deeper than rather than just playing, playing someone, you know, visually it's about what happens inside and the inner dialogue. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd say.